0: turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23 today as we continue to take a look at some of the Psalms, looking at that very familiar one this morning. And also, if you want to find the listening guide, the outline for the message this morning, you can find that on the website. Go to the media tab there, and you can download that this morning as we think about Psalm 23 together today. So, we think about this Psalm today, I think about things that are familiar. And I think there's probably common experience that we've all shared at some point or another in our lives. Um, It happens in our homes with maybe that room or that area of the house that we kind of just come in and we drop everything there and then we go on about our, our lives, getting things ready as we get home. Or as we go out the door and it happens over time without us really noticing it, where this clutter and this mess just builds up slowly day after day after day. And all of a sudden we walk in and we're like, how in the world did this happen? How did this mess even happen? I mean, we were there though, right? We saw every stage of its deterioration. We were the ones that did it. We just laid the stuff down and walked on. And yet it's so familiar to us that a lot of times we just don't see it. We miss it. The same thing can happen around this building. Some of you have been in this building thousands of times, and you could probably walk these halls that you've walked every week. Though at this point, if you were to walk them this morning with fresh eyes, there would be things where you would probably look and say, how long has that been there? Right? And the answer might be seven years, eight years. Right, There are things that we just get used to seeing. We walk right by them, and we miss them because things are so familiar. Just think even more recently with COVID-19, for those of you worshiping at home, one of the things we've done here at church, around the church building, there are some new signs up, signs on the front doors. They remind us to evaluate ourselves for symptoms or exposure that would place others at risk along the way in. There's signs reminding us to wear a mask to protect others, signs over the water fountains that say they're disabled as well. For those worshiping in person, though, those signs and those reminders probably stood out to you the first Sunday that you re-entered the building or that we re-gathered together. In a way that they probably don't now the fifth or sixth time that you've entered the building or that they won't as you go forward because familiarity has a way of causing us to miss things that are right in front of us. And in the same way, the truths of this psalm, Psalm 23, can become so familiar to us that we take them for granted, right? We know what it says. We've heard it for years. It's where we turn in moments of darkness and struggle and rightly so, but... We can be so focused on just the blessings described here that we miss what it's really saying to us. Comfort and peace and rest aren't just things we need when life is hard. When we or someone we love gets sick, when someone we love passes away, or when we find ourselves in the midst of conflict and struggle, we need these things then. But the truth is we need the truth of this psalm in every moment of life. Our lives, even those times when things are going well, times when it seems like we have everything that we want, because there can be a difference between everything that we want and truly having everything that we need. That's what this psalm points us to. God is the only one who satisfies now and forever. That's the truth that we see throughout this psalm this morning. God is the only one who satisfies now and forever. Let's read it together. Psalm 23, verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's word does not change. God does not change. He's the only one who satisfies today, now, and forever. That truth is what bookends this psalm starts out with, the when the Lord is my shepherd, I want for nothing. I have all that I need. And it ends with this, when I sit at the Lord's table, when I dwell in his house, I'm content to stay there forever. That's the truth that's at the beginning and the middle and the end of this psalm. And we see it in these two pictures, really, that David uses to show us this truth. First picture is of a shepherd who leads and protects. The second is of a banquet host who provides for us with this abundance. And so we're going to look at these words, walk through these verses together this morning, hopefully just seeing these truths in a way that lets us seek our satisfaction in the only one who can give it. And so let's look first at God is the shepherd who leads and protects. He's the shepherd who leads and protects. This psalm, it opens up with this statement of personal relationship. David isn't singing about some distant God that he's heard about. He isn't writing about someone else's God. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Just that opening word. The Lord, right? That's not even just a title. It's the name of God. It brings with it all the history of all the promises that God had already kept for his people, freed them from slavery in Egypt, led them through the wilderness, giving them the land that he promised to give them, and then rescuing them again and again and again, even though they kept rebelling and walking away from him. As we read the Old Testament accounts of God's faithfulness, the way he led and protected his people, we're reminded this morning... That the God who was protecting his people in the Old Testament, the God whose word we read this morning, is also our God. And so this story, as we look at it, is also our story. The God who led and protected then leads and protects us now. And the best news is what David says next there in verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he says, I shall not want When we say shall, a lot of times we think of that as a command, but this isn't God giving us a command not to want anything else. It's a declaration David is making, saying, I have a relationship with the Lord, and that's all that I need. Let's not miss, though, how strange that statement sounds in the world in which we live, in a world where we're constantly told that we need more, right? We need the next big thing. You can buy anything you can imagine where our phones seem to know to show us ads for things that we just thought about buying or thought about wishing we could buy three days ago. God is still, though, in a world where we can have, if we're able, anything we can imagine, God is the only one who satisfies. He's the shepherd who leads us and protects us. That's the picture David is painting for us here. As he fills it in, though, he goes on to tell us that as our shepherd, God makes us lie down in green pastures. In our lives, God leads us to moments and to seasons of rest and refreshment, but a green pasture isn't just a place where we rest and lie down. For a sheep, it's also a place to feed. A shepherd leading his flock, a green pasture is a place to pause and to rest and to feed them in preparation for the next leg of their journey. That's what God does for us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. again, do you See the picture that David's painting here of a sheep that is drinking from these still, quiet waters. It's not a raging river with rapids where the sheep might, yeah, get a drink, but also might get carried away by the current. This is a safe place, a quiet place, one where we can say, he restores my, he restores my soul. God is a shepherd who recognizes the struggles that we have face in our lives, the things right now that drain us and that in this very moment even leave us exhausted or beaten down or tired, and he is a shepherd who wants to lead us into the rest that we need, lead us to peace in the midst of this chaos. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his namesake. This morning, I just confess, I'm not the best person at dealing with animals, um, and so I see no scenario where this would ever happen, but if you actually ever need a shepherd to take care of real live sheep for some reason, at some point in the future, I'm not the person that you should call. I wouldn't know the first thing about how to get sheep from point A to point B. I wouldn't know where to take them or where to lead them, but that's not the case with our shepherd. Right? Our shepherd knows where we need to go, and he knows how get us there. He doesn't just tell us to do the right thing and then walk away for us to figure it out. He walks with us. He guides us on the right path to do the right things. There's a danger for us as religious people to make doing the right thing the main thing in our lives. We're tempted to view that word righteousness there as what we do, to make it about our self-righteousness, what we have done to please God or to fix our relationship with him. But this psalm reminds us that God leads, leads us in passive righteousness, not so that we can boast, not so that others will look and say, look at them, they've got it all together. God leads us to do the right things in our lives for his namesake, so that our lives will point people to his goodness and to his love and to his righteousness. That's why we care for one another. It's why we carry one another's burdens. It's why we work for justice. It's why we feed the hungry. It's why we walk in holiness. Just think about it this morning. When sheep are walking on the right paths or when a flock of sheep appear to be healthy, people don't look at those sheep or they look at any animals for that matter and say, wow, those must be really smart sheep or those sheep seem to have it all together. No, people recognize that the credit goes to the shepherd who's led them and who's protected them and who's cared for them and led them to the health and the rest that they have. And so it is when we walk on paths of righteousness, when people see our peace in the midst of this world of chaos, they see that we have a shepherd who is good and a shepherd who is faithful. They see that God is the shepherd who leads us and protects us, leads us to rest and peace and the right path, and does it in a world filled with danger. The first three verses here, they paint this picture of tranquility and peace, but verse 4 acknowledges the dark realities of this life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it says. In the ESV translation, it points out that those last words there could be translated a valley of deep darkness. We most often read This psalm, when we've lost loved ones, because it so powerfully reminds us that God is with us even in the shadow of death. But this psalm, while it's about those moments, it's about more than that. It's about every moment of pain and brokenness that we walk through, where the darkness feels bigger than the light. When it seems like the whole world is upside down, when our circumstances are more than we can bear. And so this is a psalm that is about those difficult times. It's about those times like 2020, where the brokenness of the world around us screams at us, and it's about those times when it appears, though, that everybody else has it all together. And yet we know, even in those moments, there are times when it looks like everything's going well. Maybe even it looks like everything's going well with us, but we know our hearts at times can be riddled with fear and anxiety. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil. It's the second statement in the psalm, really about God's sufficiency, about his unique ability to satisfy our souls. Though everything around me is pressing in on me, though the shadows are so dark that I can't even see all the threats around me, I am not afraid, not because I'm stronger than any evil I face, not because I am living in denial, just closing my eyes, pretending that everything's gonna be okay, but because the shepherd who leads me and protects me is up to the task. David is switched now to the second person. He's talking directly to God instead of about God, and he says to the Lord, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God's presence is a comfort to his people. David describes a rod and a staff tools that a shepherd would use to lead the sheep, the rod to fend off threats from um, outside the flock, the staff to guide and to lead and direct the sheep to keep them on the right path. And that is how God is at work in our lives as well. Sometimes our view of God uh, focuses on one of those more than the other. Either we focus on God's protection from outside threats and we miss the fact that at times he's telling us that we need to direct and correct our course, or other times we focus on just what he's doing in our lives and miss what he's doing around us. We have a God, though, that is big enough to do both, to protect me and others, and to protect me from myself. And that is a great comfort to us. That is why his presence drives out all fear. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not just closing our eyes and pretending the threats aren't there. It's recognizing that God is one who leads us and protects us, even in the darkest valley. He's the one who satisfies now and forever. He's the shepherd who leads and protects. And then we see God is the banquet host who provides. Switches images here in the psalm in verse 5. God's not just a shepherd. He's also a banquet host who provides this great feast before us. David sings to the Lord, you prepare a table before me. One of the things you might be doing this weekend, one of the things we usually do to celebrate the 4th of July is to have a cookout. And those might look a little different this year because everything's a little different this year, but one of the things that you can normally count on at a Hillard family cookout is a huge spread of food. Several choices of meat, all the side dishes we can imagine or come up with that anybody would ever want and then homemade ice cream and all the desserts to go with that and there's usually this thread of text messages in the lead up to that cookout or any family gathering for that matter though where at first there's a pretty modest menu that's proposed right where we say all "Right, we don't need all this we say it every time we're just going to have a few things it'll be enough it'll be plenty and then though somebody you know adds on well what about this what about that right before long we've got the whole thing going on and it takes a lot to get all that prepared and to prepare this great table, to prepare what is going to be placed before us when we gather together. And we know here that we see God is a God who prepares a table before, before us. He knows what we need. He knows what we want. He provides us with this great banquet, this great feast. All right, God knows what we need even better than we do. He's the one who created us. He is the one who has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and he gives us the strength that we need to walk in that path. He does that for us now, and he'll do it forever. As we look here, the banquet the Lord provides for his people, yes, it's this great feast, but it also tells us that it's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. We don't know exactly here who David has in mind as he writes these words, but we know this, that God seats us before this great table and there's nothing that any enemy that we have can do to disrupt it. God has promised that a day is coming when every wrong in this world, every injustice will be made right. And so when we talk about having a table in the presence of our enemies, this isn't David talking about getting vengeance for himself. It's about justice from God's perspective. We can find joy at the Lord's table even if there are those who want to do us harm, because we know that in the end, God will be victorious. So we imagine this great banquet the Lord's laying before us. So we see this table before us. There's a seat with your name on it. And those in your life who threaten you or who harm you in deeply painful ways, God promises that all of that will be dealt with and he will be victorious. But as we look at Psalm 31, I just want to look there for just a moment, we see a little bit more explanation, I think, about what this might look like in our lives. Psalm 31 verse 19 says this, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you, in the sight of the children of mankind. In the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues." The banquet that the Lord provides for us. It meets our needs. And that last verse there is good news. It provides us with a refuge from the plots of others and the strife of tongues. What these verses tell us isn't that we never are going to face suffering or difficulty in our lives, it doesn't mean that. Any suffering we endure is some indication that we just didn't have enough faith. That's not at all what the Bible teaches. After all, Psalm 31 is the one that Jesus quoted when he was on the cross dying for our sins. But what God promises us here in Psalm 23 is what Jesus endured. Momentary suffering that gives way to eternal glory. A hope that gives us joy even in the midst of our pain, even in the presence of our enemies. God provides us with what we need. He promises justice. Then second part of verse five here, it tells us he anoints my head with oil, my cup overflows. He points to the generosity of God in ways to go beyond what we can even imagine. So we looked at Psalm eight a few weeks ago. We talked about how maybe we would expect a God that is so holy, so majestic, so mighty, so powerful. Maybe we would expect a God like that to grow impatient with us and our repeated failures. But again, we see here, God anoints my head with oil. He treats me as an honored guest at his table that he's prepared for me, not as some surprise visitor that he's just putting up with out of obligation, And my cup overflows. Right When a guest would arrive at a banquet or a meal, a cup that was filled to overflowing was a message from the host that said, you are welcome here. Stay as long as you want. We have plenty to share. And God is a host who never runs out of what we need. David had seen it in his own life. God provided for him. He protected him from Goliath and Saul and so many other adversaries. And the point for us this morning is this, that God doesn't look at his people with dread, but with delight. A relationship with the only one who satisfies our souls isn't something where he's like trying to speed us along and get us on to the next thing. God wants a relationship with you that is deep, one that is wide, one where you sit down at his table in his presence and spend time with him with nowhere else to be because there's nowhere else better for us to be. God's presence is home. It's where we were created to be. And so we say what this psalm says in verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's in no hurry to move on to the next thing. His experience with the Lord is one that leaves him confident that God will continue to pour out goodness and grace and love in his life. As we look at David's life, we know that that isn't because David never faced any hardships or struggles or difficulties. He certainly did, and yet he's confident to say here that God will show him goodness and mercy all the days of his life because he'd seen God do just that every step of the way. So this morning, I just encourage you, think about your own life, think about your life to this point this morning. Each of us, as we look back, there are dark valleys, right? There are difficult days, days we thought maybe we wouldn't get through. And yet God was there. He was walking with us. He was carrying us through those things. And so we can say, like David, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because we know that our God has done it before. He did it yesterday. He can do it again. And as David concludes in this psalm, he doesn't Now, but he does it forever. It starts out by saying, I shall not want there in verse one, but it ends by saying, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is where David begins and where David ends this psalm. There's no one else David wants to be, nowhere else he'd rather be, because God is the only one who satisfies. He's a shepherd who leads and protects, he's a host who provides for our every need. And so, above all, this morning as we think about these words, these familiar words, I hope this morning that we don't just look past them and say, yeah, we've heard those before, but I hope that we find in these words the comfort that they offer, not just because they're familiar, but because they're true, because God is and does everything this psalm says. I hope they're words that bring much-needed life this morning to our weary souls, words that call us to seek satisfaction in the only one who is enough for us. As we do that this morning, as we think about how to live out these words in our lives, I just want to think about three specific ways we can apply this truth in our lives. The first is this, we need to be aware that you're often tempted to look to things other than God for satisfaction. God's the one for whom we were made. Right? He's the one that can satisfy us, and yet we so often find ourselves looking around at other things instead of looking up to him. Right? It could be a schedule full of activities, good things even that we're doing that keep us busy that we think is going to satisfy us. It could be a house full of stuff, could be a bank account, could be uh, the approval of other people. As we look around, for satisfaction in a lot of places. But this morning, we know that none of those things are things that will last forever. The only one that will last forever is our God. And so this morning, just ask yourself as we respond to this psalm, what is it this morning that's causing you to be discontent in your life? What is it that keeps you from being content and satisfied? Then as you think of the answer to that first question, probably leads you to the answer to this question, what or who am I looking to for satisfaction? And if that answer is anything other, any one other than the God who made us the only one who can satisfy our souls, then this morning, let's turn our hearts back to him. Second way we can respond to this psalm is to continually work on your relationship with God. There's something happening in Psalm 23 that is never really explicitly stated, but it's really strongly implied. So we think about it this morning, when a, shepherd's le- when a shepherd leads, the sheep do what? Follow, exactly. A banquet host prepares and invites, but ultimately the guest accepts that invitation and God is leading that much we know, but the question is this, are we following his lead this morning? Have you accepted his invitation. So just ask yourself this morning, what am I doing to invest in my relationship with the Lord? As we think about that, it might look like spending more time in His Word on a daily basis. It may mean that time in prayer needs to be a higher priority in our lives. It may mean that gathering for worship, whether online or in person, is an important part of building that relationship that we need to focus on. It may mean we need relationships with other people in our lives, We need Christian brothers and sisters who will point us to God and remind us that he's the only one who is going to satisfy us. And so this morning, if you don't have that in the form of a life group, then let me know, and I'll help you get connected to one of those as well. Third way, though, we can respond to this psalm this morning is to know that a personal relationship with God begins with faith in Jesus Christ. Today we looked at Psalm 23. But we looked last week at Psalm 22. That's a psalm that points us to what Jesus did for us on the cross. Reminds us that in our sin we deserve death, but Jesus, who never sinned, died in our place. And it's only through him that we enter the relationship that we've seen here in Psalm 23. A relationship of rest and joy, now and forever. There's a lot in John chapter 10 that connects this psalm to Jesus. I encourage you to read that this afternoon as you have time. But I just want to look at a few verses from John 10, beginning in verse seven. It says this, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Just ask yourself this morning, have I recognized that Jesus is the good shepherd? And as we sing in a moment, as we go throughout the rest of this day or through this week, if you have questions about following Jesus as your shepherd, or anything we've talked about this morning, you can reach out to us and we'd love to talk with you more about what it looks like to follow him. This morning, though, this psalm reminds us God is the only one who satisfies now and forever. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you today. Thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd. Shepherd who leads us and protects us. Lord, both from others and at times from ourselves, Lord, and we pray this morning that you would help us to be a people who follow your leadership, Lord, who look to you to satisfy in ways that only you can, Lord, people who look to you to lead and not to what those around us are saying or doing, Lord. We pray this morning that you would help us to to be a people, Lord, who rest and who delight in your presence, Lord, who find um, our joy and our hope in you, Lord, and not in the things of this world, Lord. Well, we know that when that's the case, then we'll be a people who point others to you, Lord, as we walk in paths of righteousness, Lord, not for our sake, Lord, but first and foremost for your sake, Lord, because you are a God who created us, Lord. You're a God who has called us, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, that you would lead us and direct us, Lord. So not so that we would point people to us, Lord, but so that we would point people to you, Lord, and all that you've done for us in our lives. Lord, this morning, we thank you. We praise you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.